And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic Totally Football League show Fulham go top as Rams feast on cherries Cruise man of the match prize takes the biscuit slash cake And Stockton proves it's still worth investing in coal No matter what Greta Thunberg says this is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. It's Monday for us, maybe for you too, listener. You've joined us because you like the Football League and so do we. So let's talk about it for a bit, shall we? Joining me, Matt, today are Sam Parkin. Uh, good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon, Sam. Adrian Clark's here too. Hello, everyone. And back once again, uh, Joby McEnough all over our television screens this weekend. How are you doing, Joby? <laughs> Very well, thanks, Matt. Using that big TV money to buy yourself a new microphone as well, I see. <laughs> well, I thought I'd better get with the technology and the times now, so uh, I'm nice and clear, hopefully, to everybody listening today. Uh, right, we've got lots of great goals to talk about, some rubbish ones too. Let's start with the championship, shall we? You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Championship headlines, Fulham went top after bashing Barnsley. The Cherries were picked as Bournemouth suffered a shock defeat at Derby. West Brom lost ground on the top two after losing to a Huddersfield side who can smell the playoffs. Hull are out at the bottom three at Peterborough's expense. Reading now two points above the relegation zone after their deduction and draw with Forrest. And Mitro scored, Brereton Diaz scored, Solanke scored, Piro scored. Water is wet. Trying to make room for the shot. What a goal! We're going to start, though, with Sunday's game. After a miserable week for Derby County, the Rams enjoyed a real fillip on Sunday as they beat Bournemouth 3-2 at Pride Park. It moves them on to zero points. Uh, Adrian, who stood out for you in this game? Tom Lawrence uh, maybe got the headlines with the goals. Anybody else who impressed for you? No, Tom Lawrence. I think it's the Tom Lawrence show for, for a lot of the second half. He was, he was fantastic. Gave, um, gave Jack Stacey a really hard time. Scored a wonderful goal, didn't he? Just cutting in and curling it into the into the far corner. He definitely stepped up to the plate. I think that the other standout would have probably been the the young boy making his debut in in midfield, Liam Thompson, only nineteen, looked looked very much at home against you know arguably the best team in the division or one of the two top teams. So so really promising start for him in the first team. So see, look, it was a great great result for Derby. Especially after conceding yet another goal, trying to play out from the back. I mean, they're shocking at it. They just need to stop, don't they, Derby? I mean, how many times do they want to concede goals, giving the ball away in their own defensive third? But that aside, really great great character, great attitude and um, and a brilliant result. 
Uh, JB, I guess like with the Stoke game that, that came the day after administration was announced, it's probably quite easy for Wayne Rooney to get the players up for this in terms of, well, go and show everybody, you know, that we're still fighting, etc. and so on. It may be more difficult to carry that on as, as the season progresses and, and relegation becomes inevitable. Yeah, which I think is why this result was was particularly impressive because they haven't actually been in very good form recently enough. I felt certainly that maybe sort of the pennies just starting to drop a little bit around the football club. It, it, as you say, you can use that motivation at times in terms of, you know, we've got nothing to lose. Let's go and prove a point. But there does come a time in the season, particularly after such, you know, a heavy blow with the extra points added and really listen, it's going to be very, very difficult. I think we're all sitting here saying, no, it's not impossible, but are they pretty much relegated? Yes. So to keep motivating that group, I've got to say, you know, big credit must go to to Wayne Rooney, Liam Rosinia, um, all the coaching staff, but also those players, you know, for, for making sure they carry on doing their jobs as best they can. You know, it's amazing really when you think where they would be, that they've managed to churn out the results they have done and particularly against a very, very good Bournemouth team. You know, I think it would have been very easy to, to turn up and be like, you know, after the week we've had, you know, maybe this isn't a game we can win. So, and especially being behind as well. So, no, I, I can't speak highly enough of, of everybody at that football club in terms of the training side of things, the coaching staff, the players, and of course the fans who, who have backed them. So um, I'm, re- I'm really pleased for, for the playing staff and, and the, the coaches, as I say, for doing as much as they can. You know, they can't have done any more than they have this season, that's for sure. Sam, from a Bournemouth perspective, I guess the easy thing with games like this is to say, oh, bad day at the office, write this one off, etc. and so on. But but actually, given how tight it is between them and Fulham, uh, they should be, Scott Parker in, in particular, should be pretty annoyed about this, shouldn't he? Because you go to the bottom side in the league, you've got a threadbare squad and, and you shouldn't really be getting beaten. I think he will be. Um, there were definitely opportunities for him to extend their lead, I think. Lerma had a header just on the, the stroke of half time, which probably would have been that. Um, and after they went behind, I don't think they conjured up too many opportunities, just one billion header as well. So, yeah, a little bit lacklustre in, in that area. Probably the first time they've been without a couple of their defenders, um, Kelly and Zamura missing together, which probably had a bit of an impact on it from a defensive point of view, because I think that's been obviously a, a big strength. Certainly the two centre-halves together and the left-back's been amazing. I think Davis is really good going forward, but I'm not sure if he gives you the same solidity um, going the other way. So I'm kind of scratching around a little bit, but that's probably the, the biggest reason I can find as to why Derby were successful in this game. But yeah, huge result for them and going to be a big reliance, as Karki said, on Tom Lawrence because I, I just look at those front options and there's not loads of goals, loads of creativity. And not going to, probably going to be able to rectify it. So that's why they may make a better fist of it than some people have given them credit for. But I think it's uh, too much of an ask really to get themselves away from the foot of the table. Well, from the bottom to the very top, where Fulham have taken up residence after they beat Barnsley 4-1 on Saturday. Uh, Barnsley have been kind enough not to make Poya Asvagi take the L in his first game. He watched on from the stands, often through his fingers as his new charges were given the runaround. We'll come to Barnsley shortly. But but Fulham-wise, Joe B, Marco Silva had said he wanted less reliance on Mitrovic. Obviously, he scored here, but Carvalho and Wilson, arguably the standout players for them in this game. Yeah, I think Ancabano, I think, has been fantastic this season. He's he's putting together some real good, consistent performances. Um, I'm amazed by that attacking. We had quartet, certainly, from the weekend, but that was without 
Bobby Reed as well, who was on the bench. So I think when you look at that firepower, yes, they've probably been over-reliant on Mitrovic in terms of his goals. But I think one of the big reasons he scores as many as he does, as, as well as being a top, top striker and, and finisher, is how dangerous the other players are. And it's practically impossible when they're in full flight to sort of to deal with them. They've got threats coming from absolutely every angle. You know, I think Carvalho, for me, they have missed him. I know it hasn't probably looked like it at times, but he's got that real X factor. He's a real exciting player. He links that that front area, knits it all together really nicely. Harry Wilson, we know, chips in with goals and assists. So literally they can hurt you so many ways, which is why, you know, they have been successful. And, and of course, goals have been massive. They're by far and away, the, the top goal scorers. But it's the, the goals or lack of goals that they've been conceding. I think after that Coventry defeat where they conceded four, in the last seven games, as well as scoring 25 goals, which is incredible, three and a half goals a game on average, they've only conceded two. And I think that's probably the biggest turnaround for me with Fulham this season. We knew they're going to be good open attacking team, but they probably were a bit susceptible at times. But clearly he's got both ends of the pitch really, really firing now. And, and again, that midfield area is really, really strong. Didn't even have to play Seri at the weekend, who again has been outstanding for them. So again, we've said it all along, but as a squad for me, the strongest by a mile. And they've really clicked into gear recently and very, very impressive. Sam, are you surprised at how well Marco Silva's done? Obviously, his last couple of jobs in England didn't go brilliantly. Is it the fact that he's got this squad which seems so much better than everybody else's, which means it's, it's difficult to fail with? I think so. Um, you know, the early weeks of the season, early days, we were... You know, spoke a lot about the the attitude of the Fulham players and that had to come from the manager really to get them to refocus in, in the second tier. You know, a lot of players that had been cast aside maybe in the Premier League and not featured regularly. So we we thought that was the the, the major part of his battle, if you like. And uh, he seems to have got the man management spot on in, in coaxing performances out of these players. But yeah, I mean, the squad's brilliant. You, you think of... Teti at the weekend coming back in. Uh, Dennis Adoy has been really good in his absence, and he supplied the the ball for um, for the Mitrovic header. And Carvalho, they've not really missed him as Joby said, but you know what a player he was for the first month of the season. Probably the best player I've seen live. Probably the best performance I've seen at Millwall. On a, it might have been a Friday night, but he was unbelievable. So yeah, to see him come back and get get a goal as well, they're they're frightening, and this. To me, 4-1 was a bit of a canter as well. Um, they kind of took their foot off the gas when when Barnsley were able to get a reply. But yeah, this is a this is a really strong squad, underlined by the front four who are who are, who are better than you know any quartet anywhere else in the league. What's Asbargi gonna do, Clarky, with this Barnsley side? Because they made six changes from their previous game. Obviously, they, they've made a lot of changes. They've tried different formations. I just wonder what else there is to try with this particular group of players. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got to tighten them up, hasn't he? Um, and they could have been just absolutely embarrassed um, in this game. Could have been five or six before the hour mark. Really, it was it was shooting practice for for Fulham. He tried a different system, didn't he? He went to a flat back four, four two three one. First time they've moved away from that, I believe, since pre-COVID. So, you know, the players are used to playing one way. He's tried something else, this Lauman in, in his last game. And uh, it didn't work. It really didn't. And they switched it back to 3-4-3 three, three towards the end. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's 
got to instill some kind of confidence, hasn't he, in the players? Got to get them believing in themselves again because they've been battered and bruised in in, in recent weeks. You know, Hull, Hull beat them before the international break. Um, they've now taken this tonking. So, yeah, got, got to get more of a tune out of Cordy Woodrow, I guess, who is you know, definitely their most dangerous forward player. But yeah, based on the evidence of what you saw at the cottage, he'd be a worried man, I think, because yeah, four one, yeah, that it, it could have been six or seven, really. Not saying we don't know much, but I think we all had Huddersfield to either struggle or to go down this season. Here they are beating West Brom, and thus moving to within a point of the playoff places. Have you changed your opinion, Adrian? On Huddersfield, yeah, I mean they've improved, they've improved massively, haven't they? So yeah, this was a terrific result, wasn't it? And yeah, tr- bit of a triumph for for Carlos Corbran. He tactically sort of frustrated West Bromwich Albion, who had much more of the ball maybe than they wanted in the game. And uh, he said, "Come on in, come and come and break us down." And without two really good defensive-minded players in Hogg and and Tom Lees, who's had a good season, um, they they cope really well. And and it, this was just a really really good team effort, I think, from front to back. The forwards grafted, closed down, and pressed and hassled. The midfield, yeah, was was really hard to sort of you know break down. There weren't too many holes in there, and and the back three did great. So. So yeah, I think Huddersfield are, are far more competitive than than we gave them credit for maybe at the start of the season. Um, played well on the counter-attack here. Nice goal. Although, yeah, if I was West Brom, I wouldn't be too happy with the defending. The way that they were sort of sliced open was was easy. But but yeah, really, really good stuff from Huddersfield who who were good value, I think, for the, for this win. And um, yeah, West Brom and Jalbian, they've got problems, haven't they? They are... They're, Ismail has made them a one-trick pony, hasn't he? It's just three-four-three or nothing, and they've suddenly stopped scoring goals. And if, yeah, when, when West Bromwich Albion, uh, when you can blunt them, you ask the question, "What else have you got?" They, they don't seem to have that much, do they? Even though they've got really, really talented players in the, in their squad. So, I think that that Ismail and West Brom have got some work to do. But for Huddersfield, excellent team performance. Sam, Joby, can either of you see West Brom actually threatening the top two? They've won two of their last six. They had 20 shots at goal here, but only two of them were on target. Can they turn this round and make a proper crack at automatic? Um, having seen quite a bit of West Brom this season, um, I, I feel that Bournemouth and Fulham are certainly better all-round football teams. As I said previously, in regards to Fulham, I think there's so many different ways they can hurt you. Bournemouth, again, you know, I think a, a really good team, you know, with the ball, some real good attacking threats as as we've seen. West Brom, if I'm managing or coaching, I'm trying to set up a team against West, I'd rather play West Brom because I know if I can make sure that we're defensively strong enough, we deal with balls into the box. You know, you hear Ishmael coming out after saying we had plenty of shots or opportunities, but when you really dig down into those chances, you know, they're not clear-cut opportunities. Yes, the volume is there. And I think that really sums up West Brom. They, they will put balls into your box. They will make you defend situations. But they're not really creating, particularly at the moment, real clear-cut opportunities. And I feel like if you can match that, then you have got a very, very good chance of, of getting results. And I think particularly away from home, we've seen recently they've lost four on the bounce now, which you go away from home, you, you do need to have a little bit more in your locker at times than just, you know, trying to... I wouldn't say just launch it, but they are very direct. And I think 
what you are seeing is teams doing their homework, understanding how they can beat West Brom. And I think that's going to be an issue for them, you know, certainly for the rest of the season is, is maybe not having another option, another way of playing. Does that mean, Sam, that they might spend a few quid in January? They've got that parachute payment money, which would enable them to do so. At the risk of uh, sounding repetitive, um, they haven't got a striker or a striker that the, the manager trusts. Um, I think Jordan Huger has been a really good deputy at clubs, hasn't he, previously? At Norwich Springs to mind, I think he was there when they got promoted. And he, the one run in the side he had was as a two, really, with Naki Wells at UPR, where he did really well. But he doesn't seem to be trusted by the manager from the off and Phillips is not a centre forward. So we know the way they like to play, but at the moment, just looking at the statistics and looking at some of Saturday's game, it feels as if teams are allowing them to have the ball now and having a lot of possession and having to try and break down a really well-organised team like Huddersfield is is not their bag really um, because they don't have that, I don't know, they, they don't have that out-and-out out striker who can maybe pull something out for them. So, uh, that's the one area that needs to be rectified if they've got any hope of, um, you know, keep, uh, clinging onto the coattails of the, the aforementioned two sides. But yeah, I mean, I didn't really see this in happening because I thought West Brom started the season so strong. I think we probably had West Brom and Fulham as the top two, but I mean, that's flipped on its head and, and Bournemouth look by far the more complete mm. outfit in the moment. The back three is not right either, is it? He's made a few changes to that in recent weeks. Slight lack of pace and mobility. And, and when you play high and, and if you're going to be asked to dominate teams and, and play in their half and you want to squeeze up, you're going to leave yourself vulnerable to those counters. And, and teams are, are getting a lot of joy in behind West Brom's back three this season. So, um, yeah, that's a problem he needs to rectify quickly as well. Now let's go from the top to the bottom in our final championship game we'll have a look at. Hold to Birmingham nil. Back-to-back wins for the Tigers, lifting them out of the relegation zone. Now the main talking point from this game, their opening goal, which shouldn't have stood, but so long as you're not a blue nose, was pretty funny. Uh, who are you blaming for this, Sam? Is this the Birmingham defence for stopping or the referees for not spotting it? Oh, the officials, 100%. Yeah, Um it was weird because the whole city players almost stopped as well. Like it was a bit of a reluctance in George Honeyman's little prod or side footed finish or whatever it was. So yeah, it looked like a bad one. And, and obviously Birmingham didn't help themselves with the red card as well. And the game's almost done at that point against the whole city side who've been you know scratching around really for victories. Yeah. They beat Barnsley last time out, but there's been no real consistency to their, to their performances this year. So yeah, helped by a poor decision from the officials and from from a player in in Gardner's case, the second red card of his his um, season, and it and it looked not the worst time to play hole considering they had issues um, with the full back. So it forced Grant McCann's hand into a shape and a system that they've not played so far this season, and and it worked out wonderfully well for them. So um, yeah, it was a really good result, but but obviously yeah, Birmingham rightly. Unhappy about the opening goal and Lee Boyer rightly unhappy with one of his players. It was well at, he said afterwards <laughs> in regard uh, to the goal. Um, JB Hallwise, but back-to-back wins and clean sheets, particularly impressive given they'd lost five on the bounce before that. But all this takeover talk makes you think that maybe Grant McCann's just keeping the seat warm for somebody else. Yeah, clearly he needed the last couple of results, as did Hull. And I think 
there's certain results and, and times and seasons that could could prove really pivotal. I think looking at Derby's plight, obviously Barnsley, I think, are, are going to be really struggling this year. You know, I think getting out of that bottom three psychologically is massive. Listen, I'm not sitting here saying Hull is suddenly going to become one of the best teams in the league, but just in terms of that confidence that the couple of wins can give you, um, I think that's what Grant McCann will be focusing on. It's very difficult with, of course, the the rumours that are, are circulating the football club and, and clearly when new ownership comes in, at times they look to to replace managers, particularly with January looming and maybe a window to work with. Um, but listen, I think his main focus is, is trying to pull clear of that that relegation area. Um, it's going to be a tough, tough slog for them, I think, between now and the end of the season. But what they have given that group is a, a little bit of a bounce and I'm sure I'll be hoping to to carry that on. But they certainly are going to need a bit of help, I think, come the, the January window and maybe a bit more luck on the injury front because they have been hit really badly by that as well. Birmingham-wise, Adrian, were, were we duped by that three-match winning run from sort of end to last month to start of this? Because other than that, they haven't won since the middle of September. And, and they're another team like West Brom who just don't seem to have anywhere near enough goals in them. Strange team, aren't they, Birmingham? They've failed to score in half their matches now. Um, they've, this suspension for Gardner means they're down to the really down to the bare bones, I think, just 14 senior players. So that's sort of mitigating circumstances. But yeah, it's... Um, it's all a bit underwhelming, I have to say. My take on this match from a tactical point of view is this. Obviously, Hull were brave to make the change, kind of forced into playing wing-backs. They used Longman and Lewis Potter, not used to being wing-backs, more you know, offensive players. They did great. But look who they were up against. They are up against um, t- two players that... that aren't used to playing wing-back either in, in Bella. OK, this season he has, but he's not a, a traditional defensive player. And and Riley McGree was asked to play at, at right wing-back for for Birmingham. So it's the right time to use Longman and Lewis Potter as wing-backs, I think. And they were great in this game. Definitely the sort of made the difference. But up against a different team where maybe you, you might get a few 2v1 overloads or a bit more pressure because Birmingham don't put you under a lot of pressure then, then that might not work as well. So yeah, it was the right team for the right match and uh, they did great. All right, let's bring back our midweek hacker, shall we? We've got to win one of these one day. Our friends from Paddy Power will help us with it as will producer Abby. Uh, Sam, your selection from the midweek games comes from the championship. Yeah, Fulham, uh, over 2.5 goals against Derby uh, after the Lord Mayor's show for Derby County and Mitrovic is going to score uh, for the eighth game running. So that's Fulham to score over two and a half goals rather than over, or just over two and a half goals in the game? The game, Matthew, the game. Okay, fine. You prefaced it with Fulham, so I had to ask the question for the purposes of clarity. I'm not expecting Derby to get free. <laughs> Abby, what are the odds on that, please? Yeah, so for over two and a half goals, it's 13 to 20. If you did fancy uh, Mitrovic to be the first goal scorer and for Fulham to get the win, that comes in at 2.57 to 1. Very precise here. Uh, Fulham are 1 to 4 to win that game, Derby 9 to 1. Uh, Joby, you've also picked a championship game? Yeah, I'm going to work with West Brom's poor, poor away form. Um, Blackpool have been good of late, very solid, hard to beat. Um, I think Neil Critchley's done a great job and I just fancy them to compound West Brom's misery at the moment and uh, yeah, going for a Blackpool win at home. 
totally turning off my notifications on Twitter after this because West Brom fans will come after you. Uh, what's the odds <laughs> on that, Abby? Totally turning off your Twitter notifications sounds like something we could diverge into. Um, <laughs> West Brom are evens and Blackpool are 11 to 4. Blackpool, though, are third in the form table at the moment. So that could be a very good choice from Joe B. That double then, 5 to 1. All right, we'll keep going with that as the pod goes on. Next, though, we're off to League One. It's the Paddy Power Supporters Support Line and we're speaking to Spurs fan Mark. Yeah, it's Harry Kane. He's absolutely banging him in for England, but then he's playing for us and, well, there won't be four goals a game. Yeah, true, but he also won't be playing against countries whose entire population wouldn't fill the stadium. Being a football fan isn't always rewarding, but if it's rewards you're after, then try Paddy Power's Bet Builder offer. Get money back as a free bet if one leg of your Bet Builder lets you down. Paddy Power. Pretty much online Bet Builder bets only. Min odds one to five per leg, min four plus legs. Max free bet £10 per day. Excludes enhanced match odds. Must have previously deposited to avail. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Begumbleaware.org. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Listen, we've got a huge deal going on right now, we being The Athletic for Black Friday. You can get yourself a subscription for just a pound a month for 12 months by heading to theathletic.com slash league show. But you have to do it soon. The offer ends this Sunday. That's the 28th of November. So head to theathletic.com slash league show now. League One headlines. Plymouth's unbeaten run comes to an end. A packed valley, and yet Johnny Jackson still isn't the Cheltenham manager. Uh, Rotherham are up to second after crushing Cambridge. Oxford's game at Wigan was postponed after seven news players tested positive for COVID. And Crew gave 17-year-old man of the match Zach Williams Jaffa cakes and crisps in lieu of champagne. In that sweet. Uh, Plymouth marched into the valley having not lost a league game since the opening day of the season, but they didn't reckon with the unstoppable force that is Charlton Athletic and... Uh, caretaker somehow not yet permanent manager johnny jackson uh, over twenty-six thousand on hand after a scheme which allowed season ticket holders to bring along three guests free of charge Charlton owner thomas sangard said we can continue to do things the way it's normally done and keep losing many millions every year or we can take some initiatives and invest in filling the stadium then build on that to get better revenue streams from catering and selling more and better sponsorships as well as merchandise Otherwise, it's going absolutely nowhere. Then it's just a big black hole and a question of how much money I want to lose. Uh, Sam, I thought that was the most sensible thing I've heard from anybody in football in quite a long time. The most sensible thing he said in the last few days because his comments about the current managerial situation left a lot to be desired, I thought, prior to the weekend. Yeah, made it, I don't know, Yeah, probably the the, the current incumbents of the uh, technical area, probably... um, Felt a little bit aggrieved going into that game at the weekend, I would say. But yeah, I mean, brilliant initiative to get the Valley full because going there, it's a big old stadium, you know, especially, you know, the way they've, I wouldn't say fallen, but, you know, they've become regular feature at this level over the last few years and it's never really packed out. Um, So I think it did play a part of the weekend. So he should definitely be commended for that. And I think it made the Plymouth players, I don't know why, because they play in front of a, a nice crowd every week. It made them a bit edgy in terms of their use of the ball. It gave a, the ball away loads in that first half. And the Charlton players seem to really thrive in, in that atmosphere. And 
I look at all the decisions that Johnny Jackson's made. I look at all the players that he's brought back and uh, maybe put in different positions. Everyone is like a nine out of 10 right now. Even Washington coming in for Stockley, which was the one change. So um, it was another really good day. Yeah, on and off the pitch for, for Charlton. Uh, Joby, we've had Adrian and Sam's views on, on the Johnny Jackson situation over the last few weeks. I'm interested to get your take. Obviously, we love the athletic here. Is, is Thomas Sangard thinking that maybe, I don't know, Jurgen Klopp does too and he's always fancied a spell at Charlton? What, what, what's he waiting for? Who's who's the better candidate? Yeah, I think that must be the only thing in his mind. And I suppose speaking from personal experience, having gone in as an interim manager and, and actually started off very, very well, Um Mine was a lot nearer to the end of the season, which may have given them a little bit more of a of a reason to sort of say, look, we're going to hold out and, and see if we want to make a, a different decision. And in the end, they went for that bit more experience. I can't get my head around it. I've got to be honest, there's no more that he can certainly be doing with that Charlton team to be warranting an opportunity. And it might just be, meet me halfway, give me it to the end of the season. And I'm not saying he hasn't deserved to, to get it for longer. But there is always a question, unfortunately, around young coaches and managers and whether they can sustain, you know, the success that he's, he's experiencing now. But if there was ever one day, one performance and victory that might send him over the edge, surely it's got to be a packed valley beating a team that hasn't lost since the first day of the season. Um, so hopefully he got a little bit caught up in that because I'm, I'm certainly in the other boys' camps. of He should be given this opportunity longer term. You know, he's done an absolutely brilliant job, not just... The results in general, but beating Plymouth, you know, beating Sunderland, they've drawn with Rotherham, you know, tough, tough teams and, and teams that are, you know, very much at the top end of the table. So, yeah, it's a strange one. I, I go back to Sam's comments. I think, again, I, I wouldn't have been pleased with those leading up to the game. I think there's one thing to think that, but to come out and publicly say it um, does cast a little bit of doubt over potentially the decision that's going to be made but listen all he's got to do is concentrate on doing the job he's doing a brilliant brilliant job down there um and i certainly hope that he does get given the the, the permanent job at some point yeah particularly weird to say oh yeah we spoke to michael beale and he obviously turned you down and went somewhere else why would you make that public um plymouth wise adrian the temptation as we kind of touched on with with bournemouth with these kind of games is to say oh you know it's a defeat we're always going to lose at some point uh, take it and move on. But just looking at their next fixtures, they've got Wickham and Wigan at home, then MK Dons, Sunderland, before they play Charlton the game in December. So it's going to be interesting to see how they react because they've got a tough run coming up. It will, but I, I don't think we need to sort of sound the alarm bells just yet. Like this was this was a really strong performance from Charlton in a vociferous atmosphere and Plymouth just weren't quite at it. You know, it's, they were, it wasn't a disastrous display. They were just sort of six out of ten right right across across the pitch. They they had a lot of the ball in the game. They just lacked a bit of bit of inspiration on the day, really. Hard to break down Charlton's well organised, you know, rear guard with the back that back three in good form and George Dobson in front, the recalled Dobson, you know, doing doing a terrific job. So nah, I I think let's let's hold fire from sort of casting doubt on Plymouth. I think, yeah, this was just one of those days where they yeah, slightly below par and they came up against inspired opposition yeah and you've had your fingers burned with that already once this season so I, can exactly. I don't want to upset Ryan Lowe anymore do I <laughs> to get involved in that again uh, elsewhere after six games without a win the Black Cats of Sunderland got back on the metaphorical horse named Victory by beating Ipswich 2-0 at the Stadium of Light they left it late Luco 9 heading in the opener five minutes from time that was the Black Cats first effort 
on target. Uh, Sam, it struck me as a, a real drudge of a game, this one, just uh, looking at the highlights and the, and the stats from it. But uh, drudges that turn into victories are, are pretty pleasing for, for managers. Well, yeah, the, the result was paramount above anything else here for, for Sunderland. So bad as they, they've been in the last few weeks, especially defensively. So to get a really good performance out of Bailey Wright and uh, and Doyle, who has needed a... A better performer alongside him. He did, they definitely got that at the weekend. And O'Neill as well, a bit of redemption for him, I think, who's who's been an amazing player, you know, for, for Sunderland, but has um, come in for a little bit of criticism, I think, playing in midfield this year. So to see him, you know, back in defensive role, uh, getting the goal as well was was brilliant for, for him. So, yeah, I mean, Ipswich should have got something from this game. And, you know, I spoke in the last couple of weeks about... Um, reliance on Macaulay Bond. He's not going to be able to do it every week. So they've got so many good attacking players. I think it was Bursant Selina who passed up a couple of opportunities in the first half. They need to start going in because, you know, Bond is, is not going to be able to get them out of trouble every week. So difficult to know with Ipswich what's going to transpire, but they haven't half given themselves a lot to do. And um, yeah, this isn't going to last couple of results is not going to appease everyone around that place. They, they still need to find that consistency. And Adrian, one thing they need to do is sort out their away form. Already beaten five times on the road this season in the league, which is the most of any team in the top half. Yeah, but they are defending better and they were in control of most of this game. They probably were the better team. It was just, it was a bad mistake from the goalie, really, that, that cost them the match. I mean, he comes out for that corner He's nowhere near it. That's that's a poor mistake from him. The penalty is just ludicrous, and 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 you yeah, I mean if they'd have lost the game to that penalty, it would have been criminal, wouldn't it? Really, I don't know. I just think maybe the balance of the team could change. He's got so many options, hasn't he? At the moment, and and in this game, Kyle Edwards and Sonny Aluko really exciting, taking their players on looking quite dangerous but but then ultimately delivering nothing no no real good crosses not creating enough chances and then you got Connor Chaplin on the bench you got Joe Piggott on the bench and you think well should could could they change it up a little bit i don't know they might it might be a case of going with a narrower formation like a 442 diamond to get Piggott up alongside Bon and Chaplin in behind i don't know or playing Chaplin and Selena in behind a striker might be something to look at moving forwards. But yeah, they if these wingers are going to play, they've got to deliver. You know, I'm, I'm a former winger, and and yeah, it was the pressure is on. You've got to you've got to make goals. You've got to make chances. If you don't, you get left out. So some some sort of decisions I think for for Cookie to make. Which thing's more likely, JB? Ipswich to get into the playoffs by the end of the season, or Sunderland to, to get into the automatics? Oh, wow. Tough one. Um, well, a few weeks ago, I think we would have definitely gone for Sunderland. Um, Ipswich have been better recently, and I feel like they certainly are moving in the right direction uh, compared to earlier in the season. Um, Sunderland just don't seem to have that belief around the place still that they can get that automatic place. I think there's still that expectancy around the club that just seems to weigh the players down and and there always comes a time whether it's a good start that they have these little wobbles throughout seasons and that is basically going to be what puts pay to I think getting in to the automatic spots so I think at the moment 
They're both outsiders. I'd probably go more for Ipswich getting into the playoffs than Sunderland getting into the top two. Um, but I think it's going to be tough for both teams. Uh, hey, Siri, what's the best way to win a derby? Your search returned. Cole Stockton's 94th minute goal from inside his own half to give Morecambe the W at Fleetwood. And not just winning local pride, but also moving three points clear of the relegation zone in the process. Let's hear how it sounded from the camera behind the goal. Clarky, this is way better than, than Xabi Alonso and David Beckham's effort for me. The, the Beckham one, don't know, not as aesthetically good, bit of a punt. This was like lovely trajectory on it. Goalkeeper flailing, just magnificent. Oh, it's a proper zinger, wasn't it? He just he just thumped it and it and it hit the net so hard, didn't it? Which look, I I couldn't these days I couldn't I couldn't get anywhere near the goal. But I think even in back in the day, I'd have struggled to to have got that much power from from the halfway line, that was that was tremendous. It has to be one of the greatest winning goals of all time. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. It, how can it get any better? It's injury time. It's a local derby. He's like rolled the the defender inside his own half and just drilled it instantly into the back of. The, it was just ridiculously good. I can't see how that can be beaten. Really, is it? Is it just me? Is it, is it a touch of the old? Raritan Diaz about about Cole Stockton this season. Do you know what I mean? He's he, he's grown his hair. I know he's had it longer for a bit, but I think at the start of last season he didn't, and and it's given him powers. It's given him Latino magical powers. He's a top scorer, isn't he? In in League One, Cole Stockton, and he's playing for Morecambe, who yeah, most people would tip him for relegation. It's it's remarkable. That moment's remarkable, but so. So too is his campaign really as a whole. Birmingham West Brom looking for a goal scorer. Wonder if Cole Stockton will still be at Morecambe at the end of January. Feisty game this one. Uh, Anthony Pilkington, I'm guessing Joby gets a big fine for his ridiculous red card of <laughs> two immediate bookings, and and sort of summed up a pretty miserable day for for Fleetwood. Still in the bottom three and in poor form. They've lost four or five now. Yeah, real disappointing way to finish the game. Of course, you can see the last minute. Uh, goal to to beat you but then to go and get sent off especially in the manner that he did is again going to be really frustrating um, you know for him of course but again for the manager and and needing their good players when things are going against them really so I think that added to it the fact it was a a local derby um, you know real um, tight tight battle at the bottom of the table and, and both teams desperate for the point so I think going back to, to Cole Stockton briefly, just in terms of if they can keep hold of him, he could be the difference between them staying up or, or not, you know, because you look at the other teams around them, they don't have that goal scorer and only really the, the teams at the top of the table have got strikers that are getting the numbers that he's doing. He was fantastic last season as well, actually, and, uh, you know, a big part of their success. I'm surprised they even held on to him over the summer. So, yeah, listen, I think for Fleetwood it's just tough when things are going against you these things seem to happen whenever else are you going to get a player do that against you in the 94th minute other than when you're at the bottom end of the table and and things aren't going well so yeah bad day all round Sam you get to do the serious analysis of this match it's tweet of the week it comes from Callum Jones who celebrated his first league goal in football Uh, Callum says first league goal tick emoji and then a massive space and it says massive win tick emoji then another large space Another at C Stockton 94 wonder goal, stars in the eyes emoji. At Shrimp's official were unbelievable handshake emoji. 
I think he's shown his inexperience here, hasn't he? Because he obviously meant to say Shrimp's official fans were unbelievable. He hasn't quite subbed it to spot the big spaces. Maybe he was typing it on a Mac before he before he put it or something. But um, yeah, room for improvement, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, he's credited a teammate, which shows a, a bit of modesty. Um, <laughs> it's youthful naivety, you know, more than... I can't be as critical as I, I have been with some of the more senior statesmen. So I'll let that one go a little bit, but I want to see an improvement. Um, maybe someone should just send him the way of this podcast and and realise that I'm um, putting together some 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 high quality uh, notes for these um, these players who are struggling. Don't you, don't you expect more of the, the, the younger generation now on the social media aspect? Shouldn't we, shouldn't we set the bar a little bit higher, Sam? Uh, possibly, possibly, but I'm just... Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of the type of stuff I'd have churned out after my first career goal, which would have been would have been something of uh, similar ilk. He did put three pictures with it as well. Two, one of him hitting the ball, one of him celebrating, and one of Cole Stockton scoring. So there's, there's room for improvement. And yeah, we don't we don't want to clip his wings early doors. Keep going, Callum. <laughs> You'll get there in the end. Uh, odds wise, League One, Abby, I would like to add to our Acker. I've made this selection before we have the chat about how Ipswich aren't creating many chances. Uh, I'll stick with it though. Ipswich, Rotherham, both teams to score, please. You sure you don't want to change it? I'm positive. I, th- this All is right. our week. Top scorers against the uh, stingiest defence in the league. It's uh, Rotherham here are the favourites with 29 to 20, Ipswich 19 to 10. But for your both teams to score, that is coming in at 4 to 5. That means our treble is. 10 to 1. Nice, and we'll round that off with League 2, which is where we're heading next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. League 2 headlines. Forest Green Rovers continue to lead the way in being green and in League 2. Exeter up to second, which means the podcast is broken. That at Port Vale's expense. Oldham's win over the Valiants moved them out of the relegation zone and plunged Carlisle into it. And Swindon continue to put the win in their name, their latest W, coming against Newport. A little peek behind the curtain, listener. I suggested we cover Leighton Orient 4-1 Sutton before I knew Joby was going to be on today. So read into that what you will, which is nothing really. But but it was a good win for your old boys, Joby. Yeah, very good. Very good, particularly going a goal down. And, and we know how good Sutton have been to start this season. So I think to come back, they went for a little a sticky patch a few weeks ago now where couldn't quite get a win. Lots of draws, but certainly now... You know, they've been a, a really, really good attacking team to watch. I think from that point of view, they're scoring goals. You know, the wing-backs for me have been absolutely huge. Tom James, Theo Archibald, um, you know, giving them such width. Big, big part of the, the, 
game plan, whether it's Tom James with his long throws, they're getting chances off of that. He's obviously delivery into the box from set pieces and in open play with, with Archibald as well. And then you've got Harry Smith, who's turned into some kind of uh, absolute <laughs> top, top quality in terms of his feet, which with the Zlatan, and he's, him, he's the league yeah, two Zlatan. Uh, you know, very, very <laughs> renowned for his heading prowess and, and a real threat in, in that respect. But um, that volley he scored the other day was an absolute worldy. I think if Stockton didn't score his goal, that would have been getting a few more headlines than it did. But it was a, a, an amazing strike by him and probably just shows, I don't know how many Sam scored like that, but when you are a striker in the form that he's in, you just think, you know what, it's falling out of the air. I'm just going to have a go. And he caught it so sweetly. So, um, yeah, they're, they're ticking along very, very nicely. And, yeah, certainly good to see from from my perspective. I can have a guess at how many Sam scored like that. Um, how gutted do you think he was, Sam Harry Smith, when he when he watched the, the highlights of the Morecambe game on Saturday night and thought, oh, <laughs> there was me with goal of the day, not so much? Yeah, it doesn't compare, does it, really? Um, Smith's one goes in from, from time to time, I, th- I would suggest, but... Cole Stockton's is is ridiculous. I'm with Clarkey. I wouldn't have been able to kick it that far. And when you think of the type of player that he is, Cole Stockton, who he has been throughout um, the years, you would never envisage that he'd even take that on. So I think it just shows shows that he had skills that we did, probably didn't realise, technique that we didn't realise, but but also just ridiculous belief. And and on what Joby's saying there, Harry Smith's always had talent, unquestionably, but. He's never found a home, really. Remember him coming to Swindon on loan. He, I think he ended up at Macclesfield after that. Um, and then Northampton. If you get good delivery to him, he could be the best in, in League Two. He's winning the most aerial balls at, at the moment in the division. I think he's averaging the most shots per game. And he's scoring. And they've got really good creative players around them. Um, so this is a game where didn't have a shot before the equaliser late in Orient but because they've got such talented boys in the forward areas once they did get a bit of momentum blew Sutton away so um, he's he's right up there as uh, one of the best players in the division right now Can I chuck this at you Sam just just to butt in a little bit sorry Jamil Matt I know you love him right <laughs> you, can, you can pick one of the two Jamil Matt or Harry Smith this is a true gauge of how good you think Smith is who would you pick right now if you're playing next weekend uh, I'd just have Jamil Matt just, I think he is the master with his back to goal. So I think, you know, those those balls that just have to go a little bit longer if the, the defence is under pressure and they've got to clear their lines, he's the best at using his body and getting the ball for the team. And I think he's probably better than Harry Smith in that regard. Finishing, it's probably flipped on its head now, but I'd have Jamil Matt for his, his all-round contribution. But you'd have Scott Twine over both of them anyway. We know that. <laughs> um, Sutton-wise, Adrian, briefly, they, I've been desperate to to avoid using the old bad day at the office, move on excuse throughout the pod. <laughs> Was this just a bad day at the office for Sutton? I mean, they won three in a row prior to this, only outside the playoffs on goal difference. So it's not going too badly, is it? It's not going too badly at all, no. It was, they scored a good goal, didn't they? Oli off a, a brilliant, strong run, wasn't it? Um, powerful from him. Um, no, I, 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 I go back to Orient. Orient are a really good team. And I think at both ends of the pitch, excellent. I've, I've talked about it before. The numbers are great. They're, you know, they're creating a lot of chances. They've faced the fewest shots in open play this season, late in Orient. 
They've had the most high, uh, goals from high turnovers this season, seven of them. So they're rapid on the break. Uh, and, and in this match, they were relentless against Sutton. It was just one of those. The, the wing-backs were unbelievable. And, and going back to the Forest Green comparison, I, maybe I went a bit early by saying the Forest Green wing-backs are, are in the team of the year because Leighton Orient's wing-backs uh, are right up there. Four goals, three assists for James. Archibald's got four goals, four assists as well on the other side. So, fantastic. No, but Sutton are, Sutton are fine. Yeah, they just came up against a quality team. Final game we're going to look at was League Two's coupon buster. It came at Boundary Park as Oldham beat Port Vale 3-2 with an injury time goal from Aaron Martin. Uh, Joby, they were all over the place off the pitch, Oldham. More protests here, but they've really got some spirit about them as a group of players, haven't they? To, to come from behind to win it late like this. Yeah, I think in the manner that they did as well. Um, you know, very, very difficult team to to play against when it comes to putting those balls into the box. And I think that's where certainly Port Vale fell short over the weekend. When you look at set pieces, certainly for all three goals, really, um, just not dealt with. And I think for Oldham, that's certainly something that we know, you know, they're very, very strong at. So, you know, you can't question the character whenever you see a team you know, come back, particularly against one that has been doing so well in Port Vale. Um, again, so much going off, going on off the pitch. Um, you know, fans deciding to to come in one week, not come in the week after. Um, so there's a lot to deal with there. But, you know, big credit to them um, for getting that result. Abby wanted uh, this Nicky Adams tweet pointed out from after the match. Unreal character from the boys. Big win against a very good side. Dug me out the poo emoji for the first goal. Can't slip there, full stop. Love it, boys. Blue heart emoji, fist emoji, full stop. Top atmosphere applause emoji, full stop. Big week ahead, hashtag OAFC. Uh, that's giving me a bit of a headache. and A bit of a headache for, for Port Vale after this result, you might say, Adrian. Yeah, some tweet. I mean, anyone with it, any tweet with it, with the shit emoji in it is is, is all right for me. Um, yeah, it's from a player. Just it's, it's just sort of putting it out there, isn't it? It's just a bit edgy. I like it. Um, yeah, Daryl Clark, obviously they're flying, aren't they, Port Vale? But he got a bit of stick, I've noticed, from, from Port Vale fans on the back of this. Similar to the game against Sutton, where he took off strikers that were playing well. He did that in this game and I think Amu came off and a lot of the supporters were saying he was easily their best player. They went, they made a couple of defensive changes as well at 2-1 up and 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 look what happened. So so yeah, just yeah, just a little bit of minor criticism for him, but they're scoring goals for fun, aren't they, Port Vale? I mean, they're, they're, yeah, really, really good. The wing backs are good, aren't they? Gibbons was was terrific in this game, I know. Well, I think he, it was his run and cross for the Worrell goal, the other wing back. So, look, yeah, they're, they're nothing they need to worry about apart from dealing with high balls. Bit of practice on that in the training ground, I'd imagine. They'll be launching launching balls into the box and asking them to deal with it because that's that's been their Achilles heel in this game. Sam, did you ever lose a match conceding a last-minute own goal or, or did you ever win a match by the opposition conceding a last-minute own goal and then run away celebrating as if you'd scored it yourself? As <laughs> I can't recall, Matt. Come on, mate. I can't remember what happened last week. But I did score a couple of goals, which I was nowhere near and just ran off with my arms <laughs> in the air because I knew like it might have looked on the camera later on that <laughs> it was me and I got them. So there you go. Kids. Love it. Uh, That's how you get a century of EFL goals. Basically. There's a lesson for you. Keith Millen, now um, 
Carlisle manager once just headed one, a bullet into the roof of the net at the den. And I kind of mirrored his action, if you like, but the camera <laughs> just looked like it was a brilliant header from me. So um, I took that one as well. But no, no um, Hart, wasn't it the... Uh, the wing back, he did wheel away a little bit too enthusiastically for my liking when that was a clear own goal from uh, Martin, wasn't it? Uh, Adrian, we're going to round off this hacker now. Can you give us your pick, please? It comes from League Two. Yeah, it's, uh, it sort of gives me an excuse to bring out this this weird stat. So basically, I want to back Swindon to beat Hartlepool at home. Hartlepool have a shocking away record, just one away win this season. And they lost Sterry, didn't they, at the weekend to, to a red card and... I think he's one of their best players for sure on the right-hand side. Um, yeah, Swindon, best away record, worst home record. Just bizarre, really. Only six points at the county ground this season, but that can't last forever. Sooner or later, because they are a good team, they'll, they'll start beating uh, teams like Hartlepool at home, I'm sure. So, yeah, I'm backing them. Abby, can it last forever? By which I mean, what are the odds on Adrian's selection? Yeah, Swindon, uh, third in the form table, bottom of the home table. They're 17 to 20, so the favourites uh, to win in this game. Hartlepool are 10 to 3, draw 5 to 2. That all brings our Acker to a nice 19.6 to 1. So uh, we'll have to find out on Thursday if we are never Come working on. again. <laughs> you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only, terms and conditions apply, and when the fun stops. Stop. All right, before we go, we mentioned earlier this story of crew giving 17-year-old man of the match, Zach Williams, Jaffa Cakes and Crisps in lieu of champagne. It got me wondering what are the best and worst man of the match awards the chaps have ever received, or indeed if they were ever voted man of the match in their story of illustrious <laughs> careers. Um, Joby, what have you picked? Is it one of your own or one of your teammates? No, unfortunately, it's neither because I've actually realised, having been asked this question, that in this country, we're actually very boring when it comes to uh, Man of the Match awards. It's the standard bottle of champagne. Um, when I was in the National League, though, we actually received these uh, massive oversized checks, um, which, again, <laughs> um, which at first I thought, oh, that's decent. You get a couple of hundred quid, you know, Man of the Match, and then you realise it's for charity. Um, and then you realise you probably couldn't cash them anyway because they're that big so um that was probably the worst i had so i did a bit of research went online and martin Odegaard once received a fish um <laughs> no idea where it comes from he's at real sociedad well it comes from um, the sea yeah, yeah, the sea, yeah. and there's just a picture of him standing there with this massive i don't know what type of fish it was so i'd say that i've got to be the worst that i've seen to be fair um clarky you had a good one didn't you from from your own career yeah, I sent you a picture of this, didn't I? The um, yeah, I remember the game. It, it was Southend v Cardiff City in the Coca Cola Cup, as it was called back in the day. And yeah, I was a bit taken aback at the time um, when I was handed a football, a, a real football size CD player slash radio that 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 was sort of Coca-Cola branded um, and it was the shape and size of a football, completely random. Um, and it, I did have it out, you know, at home. I did try and use it from time to time. But as you can imagine, the speaker was was pretty low grade. Um, just a couple of holes really in this football. So it was poor. Um, but yeah, I, I would imagine quite a collector's item. And yeah, I, I'm yeah, a bit miffed that I, I dumped it a few years ago. But, but yeah, quite a good prize. 
would have been good for eBay if not for spinning your Kelly Clarkson CDs. Um, <laughs> Sam, I, I can imagine that, that you've got something brilliant at Swindon. I don't know. I'm just imagining like a big vat of Wiltshire yogurt or something. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to stretch it a little bit. The question because I'm with Joby. Really, it was just uh, copious amounts of um, moe in my uh, <laughs> cupboards during that three years. But player of the month, I got a night in a five star hotel Oof. on the Strand. In um, I don't know who was sponsoring us at the time, and then um, I got a week's use of a Subaru Jeep, <laughs> <laughs> which. Um, I think it was a Subaru. I'm not so sure the suppliers were the best pleased when they realised I still lived in London. So it was um, it was about two thousand miles on the on the meter <laughs> during the week. Um, but that was good fun actually. I remember mm-hmm. remember like it being parked up the side of the county ground, you know, between where you come out and where the cricket pitch is, um, down the alleyway, just waiting for me post match. Glorious. Quality. Yeah, decent form of transport. Better than uh, what they used to do in the Scottish League Cup final in the 90s, where the man of the match would be given a mountain bike in, in Stephen Glass's case in 1995, presented by Sandy Toxvig, obviously. Uh, and on a similar Martin Erdegaard tip, I quite liked uh, Saeed Benrahma getting a copy of the video game Crash Bandicoot for, for winning a League Cup game for, for Brentford <laughs> last season. But uh, I think the, the Polish club Gornik Zabja take the take the biscuit here or take the chicken they used to give players a live chicken in a cage if they got man of the match which it's more of a burden than a prize that really isn't it what, what, what are you going to do with a live chicken anyway that'll probably do us for today uh, many thanks to adrian to sam and to joby and to producer abby for knocking it all together mainly to you though listener we'll meet you again on thursday when we'll look ahead to a big weekend in the football league not least Fulham against Bournemouth in the Championship. Join us for that if you can. From all of us here, though, for now, it is goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.